And if you have a Bible this morning here in the sanctuary, I want you to grab your copy of the Word and open it up to the First Timothy there in the New Testament. First Timothy chapter 6. We're studying this year the doctrine of godliness. We know who God is and what He's like. We studied that last year. And now we're studying what does it mean to be like Him, to live like Him. He's enabled that, made it possible by the power of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the sacrifice of Christ. And so uh, we want to look in the Word, and we're going to do that all year. So if you didn't get your memory box of cards there, you want to get that every week. Pull that card out as we read through the Word and memorize it and hide it in our hearts and then preach it on Sunday and then live it throughout the week. That's our desire. First Timothy chapter 6, as you're making your way there, I want to give you a picture in your mind today as we're going to walk through this section. You know, sound doctrine is critical. It's vital for us to know what God is like and to know how to be like him. And so there's sound doctrine that we want to hear in our lives. And yet the truth is uh, there aren't always sound teachers. And Paul is going to warn us today as he warned Timothy. It's a, it's a picture that's not really flattering today that we put present before us, but it's given for us so that we can see and recognize, Lord, this is something that would not be good for me, not healthy for me, but actually dangerous for me. And so when we think of godliness, we think of being like God, and God is the most lovely being, and so godliness is lovely. But this is an unflattering portrait that Paul puts before Timothy, and he puts it before us as well. And uh, let's be honest, some of us have had um, unflattering photos of us, right? We're not as photogenic as others. I mean, I know some of you have hid your high school yearbook, right? And uh, because you know what you look like, I remember, and mine's hidden as well. Amen. Uh, just pull that out at lunch and show the grandkids, okay? And let them see. That's you, right? That's what they'll say. But sound doctrine should make us look lovely because our God is lovely. If we're going to be like him, he's spoken truth and truth is tied to love and it's beautiful. And, but Paul's got this unflattering portrait, portrait, portrait for us today. And he's warning Timothy, as Timothy was there in Ephesus uh, and, wor- and leading the worship there and ministering there. And, uh, and Paul is telling him, listen, Timothy, you have to be on guard. This is a warning. This is serious. Over in chapter 1, in fact, uh, he's going to warn him right out of the gate. And one of the reasons why he's writing is, is to warn him about those who were teaching uh, other doctrine. He had warned him, actually, in Acts 20 as well, when he had spoken there and, and said, listen, after I leave, there's going to be wolves that are going to come and savage the flock. They're going to, to ravage the flock, the savages. They're going to uh, be wolves in sheep's clothing. You need to be alert and aware of them. And in chapter 4, he even speaks about their teaching, that they reject the good things that God has created in his creation and, and even marriage. And here in chapter 6, he gives us a picture of these false teachers, what they look like. And it helps us to know what sound doctrine that leads to godliness shouldn't look like. And we need to listen today. Because this is real in our day, in contemporary Christian culture, as real as it was in Paul's day. There is a threat out there, listen, that is dangerous because it affects not just our living now, it affects our eternity as well. There are those that will lead us astray if we're not careful. In fact, Paul will warn Timothy in his second letter to him, over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days, listen, there's going to be those that are going to come tickling your ears. Itching, itching ear syndrome is what it's called. And it's because people don't want to listen to sound doctrine. Doctrine, listen, what we believe affects how we behave. And if we don't believe right, we're not going to live right. Amen? 
But there'll be those that won't want to listen to sound doctrine anymore. They'll, they'll heap up for themselves these TED Talkers, right? Who will just give them a, a good word on Sunday, tell them all kinds of stories and topics and everything, but never open the Word of God to hear God speak. In fact, what's scary, I'll show you at the end of the sermon, how they, in that day, in those latter days, there'll be those who will have the form of godliness, but no power within. There they'll look like they're believers, but there'll be no harnessing of the power of God, the presence of the Spirit in one's life, working in them and through them. And, And these are just hirelings that are out there. They're out there today, and you need to be aware of that. You need to be alert. As your shepherd, I have a responsibility to call your attention, to help you to see and realize what's out there so that you aren't taken by them. You're not pulled by them. And so when we stand and read the word this morning, there's a picture that's presented to us and it should cause us to realize, okay, that's not what we want to be a part of. That's what we reject. In fact, the warning's going to be withdraw from this group. Be alert, be attentive, be aware of the teaching, the strange teaching that's not sound doctrine and the false teacher who's bringing it. So I do this today with a warning, God's word speaking to us from Timothy, and I call your attention to it this morning. If you'll stand with me and honor the word of the Lord, we're going to hear sound doctrine that leads us to godliness and helps us to avoid false teachers and their false teaching. Here's what Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, if anyone, now that's anyone, okay, if anyone teaches otherwise, literally in the Greek, listen, what he's saying is anybody teaches another doctrine, a different teaching and it does not consent to wholesome words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness he's proud knowing nothing he's uh, obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy strife reviling evil suspicions useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose godliness is a means of gain. From such, notice this, withdraw yourself. And so, Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that want to obey. And Lord, may we be alert and attentive to the danger that is real. It is there. And Lord, may we realize, Lord, that we can be drawn away, Lord. That Satan is a subtle liar, Lord. He's deceptive, Lord. And God, may we be alert and attentive. Your spirit of truth guiding us, guarding our hearts, Lord, so that we see this if it's before us. And Lord, we withdraw from it, Lord. And God, we ask this today because, Lord, your word is written to us so that Not just do we see you, but we see ourselves and we see our circumstances and we learn how to walk by faith, trusting and resting in your truth. So speak to us today, Spirit of God, we pray. God prayed not just for anointed preaching, but anointed listening. God, may we have hearts that want to hear right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Godliness is to be the product of obedience to sound doctrine, sound apostolic doctrine. It's the result of of us hearing the truth, obeying the truth, living the truth, fleshing out the truth. It's built on the truth, as we learned last week, that the Word became flesh. Jesus came. And that's the great mystery of godliness. Not that godliness is a mystery, but it's based on that mystery that God took on flesh. And because Jesus did that, 
And because he died, because he was buried, because he rose again, because he sent his spirit to dwell within us, your life and my life can be changed. It can be radically changed. And we build our lives on the sound doctrine of God's word, his truth. And all the truth that we find in scripture points to the God who is truth and to his son who is truth. And that spirit of truth helps us to understand it. Now, if I don't have right knowledge of God, I'm not going to live right. Amen? I need to know who God is and what he's like in order to live like him, to live in godliness. False teachers had crept into the church. They were there in Ephesus. Paul's warning Timothy, I told you it was going to happen. Now, you have to be on guard. You have to be alert. You have to be tended. You have to charge some that they not teach other doctrine. That's what he would say. Why? You see, there's one doctrine that accords to godliness. There's another doctrine that doesn't lead to godliness. It leads to godlessness. Why? Well, this is what they were teaching, these false teachers. And, and Paul warned that. And here's the amazing thing. How do I know, Pastor Chris, when I'm listening to sound doctrine, doctrine that will lead me to live a godly life? Well, there's three things that Paul's going to show us here from these teachers and the doctrine that they teach that is essential. Notice this first, he says in verse 3. Sound doctrine will not deviate from the faith. Notice what he says. If anyone teaches otherwise... And does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the doctrine which leads to godliness. It accords with godliness. If anyone teaches you something contrary to that, that's teaching of a different kind. Literally in the Greek, the word is heterodidaskalai. All right, didaskalos means to teach. A teacher is a didaskalos. I'm teaching you right now. But hetero, we recognize that word. We recognize the word heterosexual. You have a male that likes a female, a female that likes a male. That's called, they're heterosexuals. That's a good thing, amen? amen. Thank you for the amen right there, right? All right, it, that's, that's other of a good kind. But see, when we learn from God, we don't want other teachings of a different kind. They're incompatible. They don't go together. We reject them. Paul would say that over in chapter 1 and verse 4. Listen, you charge certain men not to heterodidaskali, to teach other things, other gospels. A different, it's of another kind of gospel. Like what? Well, he sends dimensions over there. They were teaching fables. They were teaching about family trees. That would, of course, have been important to the Jews to know their heritage to, because they all wanted to be sons of Abraham in some way and of that family, a tree. And, and so that was important, and they would study that, or they would have some fable teachings that weren't really truth about perhaps about Jesus, but this is a time period when the Gospels were being written and they were being codified so that the church would have the testimony of Jesus. And, and there were other writings that were written in that period of time as well, but, but we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke that were written around this time. And, and, and you don't want to hear the other teachings. You want those apostolic authority, those types of teachings. And the amazing thing about the fables and the family trees that they were talking about, Paul would tell them in chapter 1, is listen, they're not according to God's economy, the way God works, the way God uh, speaks to us. Because God works through faith. 
Why? Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. God proposes a truth to us. God speaks truth in a proposition. And you must decide, either I accept that or I reject it. I give you a truth. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. I accept that or I reject it. Well, if you accept it and then you accept the truth about who he is and what he's done, then you can be saved. But if you reject that, you cannot be saved. And that's essential. And and, and this truth that is being taught, listen, church, we're the pillar in support of it. We're supposed to be building our lives on it, but we're supposed to be championing that, holding it up. And what's happening is now is these, these wolves in sheep's clothing had come into the flock and, and they were leaving apostolic teaching. Apostolic teaching that is healthy, he says it here, it does not consent to wholesome words. You see, the word of God is, is healthy for us. In what way? Well, for my soul and for yours too, right? Why? Well, you see, what it does is it deals with sin in our lives. It helps us to repent and turn away from those things which destroy our lives. So many people, listen, they're sick because of sin in their lives. Not only the sins they've committed, but sometimes we carry around the guilt of the things we have done. And that is destructive to your body and soul. But Jesus came to free us from the penalty of our sin and from that guilt. I mean, we just sang it. My sins he buried. He carried them where? Far away. Praise God that doesn't have to, I don't have to have that over me all my life, carrying it on my shoulders and and just walking around with it. Praise God it can be taken away. Wholesome words are, are words of grace, words of mercy, words that transform us. In fact, God's truth is not just healthy for my soul, but it can be healthy for my body because it helps me to deal not only with sin, but with suffering and with stress when we go through things in life, when we're putting our faith and trust in the Lord. And I'll tell you this, it's also healthy for relationships on how we relate to one another. When we're made right with God and we relate rightly with Him, He teaches us how to relate rightly with others made in His image. And so I need that truth. Those are wholesome, healthy, soul-sustaining truth, sound words. And these gospels that were giving us the story of Jesus were telling us of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, sound doctrine will not deviate. It will not leave. It will not walk away from that sound faith that has been taught to us. Of course, Jesus, when he, when he was on this earth, he was a masterful teacher. He, he had the parables that he taught, and he told the disciples, he said, listen, to you has been given the, the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, everything you need to know has been given there. In fact, what's amazing is everything you and I need to know is available to us. God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness, Peter would tell us, through the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. Truth, sound doctrine, listen, that will sustain me and help me to live a godly life is never going to walk away from the truth, the faith. And it will never walk away from Jesus who is the truth and who is the faith. He's the mystery of godliness. Listen, in other words, listen, healthy, holy living is tied to who Jesus is. And the amazing thing is, it won't walk away from the faith even in the Old Testament. 
Because the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's one story. One points to, anticipates the coming of Christ, the Messiah. One says he's come and looks back and says, praise God, God fulfilled his word and Christ has come. And all of it is one faith. In fact, what's fascinating here is this, this truth that we now hold on and stand on. The principle is the same in the Old Testament and the New. God said in the Old Testament, listen, you're to be holy because I am holy. You're, you're to be godly because God's, we're supposed to be like him. It's the same. Jesus would say, listen, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, you're to be perfect like your Father in heaven is what? Perfect. Or Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 1, just as your Father in heaven is holy, so too you should live holy. It's, it's a teaching that's consistent all throughout Scripture. And the amazing thing is the grace of God that brings us salvation, Paul would tell Titus over in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, that grace of God that brings salvation comes instructing us, teaching us to deny uh, worldliness and ungodliness and to live godly, soberly, and righteously. To live that way with the Lord. To live, listen, soberly in your own mind, live right in your own mind, live right with those made in God's image, and to live godly, to live in right relationship with Him. God's Word, sound doctrine, should lead us to do that. But if you leave that faith, you leave that truth, you've lost and left the source that can transform your life. God's truth transforms us. It's what enables us to put off the old and put on the new. Why? It helps us to, I'm not loco, okay? It helps us to renew our minds as I take things captive to the knowledge of who he is and to the obedience of what Christ has taught us. These false teachers weren't doing that. They were leaving that, walking away from that. They enjoyed perhaps their own personal opinions on things. They didn't stand on what God has said. And what God has said is this, if you ever really want to boil it down, be holy because I'm holy. And here's the amazing thing you realize, I can't do that. I need him to do that in my life. And that's why the mystery of Christ came. That's why he took on flesh to do what we couldn't do, to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay, to die and rise again because we can't rise from the dead and to offer us forgiveness for our sins and to transform our lives through repenting of our sin and putting our faith in him. Sound doctrine, it will never deviate from the faith. And that's why it's a sacred trust. Timothy, this has been entrusted to you, Paul would say, even at the end of this chapter in verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and babblings, idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some stray, have strayed concerning the faith. It's a warning. Listen, every generation, we have to do this. We have to pass the sacred trust down to the next generation. And they grab the baton and they run the race in the lane. Amen. And they run the race to win it for Christ. And one day they'll pass that baton to someone else until Christ appears in the skies to take us home. This is what we need to understand. Sound doctrine. Listen, we don't need some contemporary new teaching. Hey, listen, we don't need some new revelation from somebody. We don't need some new, well, God said this. No, God has said everything right here. And this is our faith tied to this book right here. God has spoken. And what he has said is truth. And what he has said is truth, true about his son who is truth. It will never deviate 
from the faith. Now also, sound doctrine that will lead us to godliness, it will not divide the church. Now I want you to notice this carefully what I say. Listen carefully, otherwise you're going to say he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Listen carefully to me. Notice what it says here in verse 4. All right? He is proud. Those who teach this way, these false teachers, are proud, knowing nothing, but they're obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, suspicions, useless wranglings, or uh, friction, constant friction. Listen carefully. Sound doctrine will not divide the true church. Sound doctrine does divide. But it will not divide the true church. You know why? Because our God is one. And there is one faith and one Lord and one baptism and one faith that we believe. And that unity is what God is after. Sound doctrine is what ensures that it does divide. But it does not divide the one true church. What sound doctrine does is, listen, it provides a plumb line so that you can tell what is the true church and what is a false church. That's what we need to know. You want to know the sound truth. What does God say in his word? And what does it say about his son? Because if you don't know what it says in his word or what it says about his son, you may not be in the true church. And so sound doctrine, it helps to identify what is the true church and what is the false church. Now, as it does that, notice this. Every church that Paul wrote an epistle to, he wrote a letter to, it wasn't perfect. Amen. That's you and me too, okay? Every church had something that needed to be corrected. And truth is what helps the church to grow in the knowledge of the Lord and to be constantly being reformed, being transformed. And so you have, whether it's the Corinthian church or the Galatian church, or whether it's even the church in Ephesus, Paul, even Colossae, Paul's writing to them, they're the true church, but the, the, it was not perfectly pure Yet, one day we will be. But y'all, we're a piece of work. All right? Even South River Baptist Church, God is working on us. And our uh, desire is that we would be all, that we would live lives consistent with the truth and be all that God intends us to be. And we're going to get there one day. Amen? And we're not going to stop striving or desiring or pursuing that. And part of that is the pursuit even to be like our God, to be godly. Now, we're not becoming little gods. We don't become those. No. There's one God, right? We are privileged to become the children of God in this sense. That we are now saved and redeemed and we're his. But we are not becoming gods to take his place. No. Paul's warning because what are these false teachers doing? And this false teaching? Listen, it's not dividing, it's divisive. It is divisive in what they are doing. Why? They wrestle over words. They're obsessed with disputes. They're obsessed with arguments over words. There's constant friction. Instead of listening, instead of feeding the wrong, healthy word of God, they're wrangling and quarreling and quibbling over a word or two. They ask lots of questions, but they never find the answers in the Word of God. And part of the reason is because they want to provide the answers, right? And so they quibble, and and, and the fruit of their instruction is this. Notice this. Look at these words. Envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings. 
I mean, envy is the resentment of someone else. And, and that shouldn't happen in the body of Christ, that we envy one another. Why? Because we've all been humbled at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. And, and what we're grateful for is God's grace and mercy to us. There's strife, competition, contention taking place. Ill thoughts and ill speaking of one another, whether it's malicious talk or evil suspicions of one another. Constant friction, just, just the, the fruit of irritability that takes place as these twisted minds twist truth and they destroy relationships. You see, God is one and he's made us to be one. And, and, and this false teaching wasn't leading to that unity of the faith. It was causing disruptions in the body. Dividing the body with confusion. And that doesn't glorify God in any way. In fact, one thing that does glorify God, and he said the world would know that we're his if we love one another. The fruit of sound doctrine, Paul would tell Timothy, is love. The, the fruit of unsound doctrine doesn't lead to love. It causes problems in the body. Robbing the church of the truth. And, and, and yet the truth is what is the foundation for us because it's Jesus and we're supposed to be championing. Notice this also, sound doctrine, listen, if I'm listening to it, it will never desire material gain. That's not what it's after. Notice what he says here in verse 5. These wranglings that take place by these men who have corrupted minds, they're destitute of the truth. That means they don't even have it, possess it. But they suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Now godliness, it says in verse 6, with contentment is great gain. But these individuals, these false teachers and their false doctrine, they're actually seeking material gain. For them, religion is a business. Religion is a means, listen, uh, to, to, to gain materially in their life. Some would say that's their meal ticket that they're punching and that they're, this is how they, this is why they do what they do. They're materially motivated. They seek to enrich themselves and they think that, you know what? I'll just peddle the gospel and that will bring me material gain. Now, we see them, not just this warning. Paul's warning them, listen, from such, you better withdraw yourself. Get away from them. In fact, not just speaking to the leader here, Timothy, but he'll talk about even the crowd of those who follow them over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen, get away, get away from them. And I, as your pastor, have a responsibility to warn you that they're out there even today. And some of you take them in through TBN and through other television shows because you have these evangelists, televangelists, you have these gospel preachers, but they're not preaching the true gospel. What they're preaching is the prosperity gospel. It's a prominent false teaching today and a movement in our day. And what they're doing is presenting a false gospel. They're not preaching the truth. They're not bringing you the truth. They're saying, listen, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, you can obtain and attain physical, material, spiritual, and financial prosperity. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. And just because I'm your shepherd and I have a responsibility to warn you as sheep, here's some names in case you're unaware of who they might be. Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, Joel Olstein, T.D. Jakes, John Hagee, Creflo Dollar, Paula White, Joyce Meyer. These are individuals you need to be on guard about. They are the leading televangelists and they commercialize their teaching and they lead people astray with the prosperity gospel. 
And they've proclaimed it for years on TBN, the false gospel, over and over again. So much so that they have may given the appearance that they are of the true faith. They're not. They teach that Jesus will help you, benefit you with salvation. Listen, bringing you physical healing now, bringing you financial success now. All of these things because when he died, he died so that everything that you and I are facing right now, all the benefits through faith in him we can experience now. We don't have to wait for it in eternity. They believe, listen, that our inheritance is an actual now. Beloved, has anyone read the book of Hebrews chapter 11? What the saints experienced and went through, who walked by faith, trusting in the Lord. What they experienced in life, the hardships and difficulties that they went through. Some were sawn in two. Some, listen, were eaten or were thrown to to the lions. Some, listen, died for the faith. They walked on this world, in this world, because this world was not worthy of them. But they weren't living for this world. They were living for the world, the one heaven that is to come. They believe, listen, these false teachers say, listen, you, you, you give, you get what you give. So if you give generously, you'll get more. And they say that because they want you to give to the kingdom, their kingdom, specifically. And as they do that, they qualify your material blessings. And by quantifying it, that listen, financial prosperity is there for all of you who give generously to this. And we'll see you next week for the next episode, right? You see, they say you can name it and claim it. In fact, the word of faith teachers is what they have coined themselves out, many of them. You just have to have enough faith and it's yours. Now, here's a sad thing. Sound doctrine, the economy of God, is faith. You take God's proposition of truth and you have faith in it and you believe it. But beloved, what they have done is twisted it now. And they've, listen, no longer is the greatest gift we get God himself. The greatest gift is some of the things that he gives us in this world. And that's not sound doctrine. And that will not make you godly. It will lead you astray from the one true God. The reality is they're exploiting people. They're fleecing the sheep. They're commercializing religion. They're no different than Simon Magnus over in the book of Acts who thought he could buy spiritual power from the apostles. Beloved, no one is to peddle the word of God for profit. God needs prophets to speak the word of God and even to call this out today. Godliness is a means of gain if it's done the right way, if it comes with contentment. Contentment means what? I'm grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for how God has blessed me. I'm not coveting more. I'm not, I don't have an appetite for more. Because godliness can bring many benefits. Praise God, godliness can make us right with the Father. It can have us to have peace in our heart that those things are made right because I've repented of my sins and placed my trust and faith in His Son, Jesus It can remove guilt when I repent of my sin and have a clean heart and live a clean life, looking and trusting and resting in the accomplished work of Christ. It it can give me a sense of purpose. It can heal broken relationships. Yes, it can bring joy and peace. And it can help me as I'm a good steward of all that God has entrusted to me. God can multiply that for his glory. But that's godliness that comes with contentment. You see, either you worship God or mammon. They clearly 
worship mammon. And that's what they want. Sound doctrine helps me to learn, do you know what? I need to be content. My God knows what I need and when I need it. He's able to supply it. And he's the God who actually fills my cup as, the, as David wrote over in Psalm 23. My cup overflows. And goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, that's good sound doctrine. It helps me live the right way. Faithful with just a little. I can be entrusted with much more. Resting and trusting in him going forward. And just being obedient whenever God speaks. If I'm going to grow in godliness, then I'm going to need sound doctrine. And I need to make sure I have a sound teacher who's teaching me sound doctrine. In fact, Paul would tell Timothy, he would tell him over in chapter 4, Hey, listen, pay close attention to both yourself and to your doctrine. Why? Because you ensure salvation, not just for yourself, but also for all those who hear you. You see... Timothy was reminded of this. Timothy, it's not just what you teach, it's also how you live. And it's how you live and what you teach which are critical for ensuring not only your salvation but those who hear you. And that's a responsibility for all the pastors here this morning as well. All those who are in leadership that we have that responsibility to live the faith, show the faith, love the faith and to never ever allow that to creep into these walls, these doors. To be on guard against that. And if we don't do that, And beloved, we're going to be like the warning over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because when Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy, he had a warning for him. A warning for the last days. Those weren't just Timothy's days, that's our days. Perilous times, he said, will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. Oh my goodness, we are ate up with ourselves in our culture. Lovers of money and lovers of pleasure but not lovers of God and these will have a form of godliness but deny its power from such people Paul says Timothy stay away and he says that to you and me as well be alert be attentive there is sound doctrine that will lead us to live godly lives and there's also false doctrine that will lead us astray but realize we'll never deviate from the faith It'll never divide the one true church, but it'll build it up as one, in one faith. And it will never desire material mammon. It's not what we're living for. This world has nothing for us. God has everything for us. He, He is our great inheritance. He's what we're living for. And if for joy of finding Jesus, you're willing to sell all to get that field. Amen? That's how we should live you see this is the truth that we stand upon this is the truth that we are lashed to it's in this book and we will never leave it church and we stand firm on it why because it tells me about jesus it tells me i need him to have mercy on me and praise god he does for any of us who call out to him that may be you today It may be, you know what, I've heard some sound doctrine today. I realize today, man, I am a sinner and I have never asked for forgiveness of my sin. The sin, not just sins I've done, but the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. And maybe today, you know, you realize the Spirit of God has convicted me. I realize this, you know what, I need to trust in Jesus. It's not by works that I have done. I can't be good enough. He requires perfection. But Jesus, the perfect one, did everything that was necessary so that we could be saved. 
And maybe today you need to come and say, I need Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord, just like Christopher did. Several months ago he did that. We've talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. He's followed the Lord in believer's baptism. That may be you today as well. You identify not only with Jesus as your head, but maybe you need to identify with a local body of believers, the body of Christ called the church. Here at South River Baptist Church, maybe the Lord's leading you here to become part of this family of faith as well. This is a time in the service where if I've heard God speak, how do I act upon this? Maybe it says, a man of God, I'm going to lead my home. As for me and my house, we're going to live by what the Lord says. We're going to fear the Lord and live by him. Maybe I just need to get on the altar because I have a responsibility as a husband to, to wash my bride in the word, to sanctify her with the word. And God, I just want you to help me to lead my family the right way. Maybe leading my children in, in Bible study throughout the week, and taking that responsibility I have to be the man of God in my home. Maybe there's a decision you just need God's grace, God's mercy in some way. We have pastors that will pray with you as well. But this is when we respond. If I've heard God speak, then what do I need to obey today? What truth do I need to believe today?